the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As soon as someone calls on the name of the Lord, there is a book of record. And the genealogy of that book is different than Cain's genealogy. It's a book of days. Yes, there's death, but there's life. It says Adam lived. Yes, he died, but he lived, which means the promise of life is there. Seth lived, Enosh lived, Kenan lived, Mahalel lived, Jared lived. This is a book of life. It's a book of promise for the future. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike will conclude the message we started just the other day entitled The Book of Life. Here in just a moment, we invite you to stay tuned. If you did miss the first portion of this broadcast, you can go to reachingyourheart.com and download a copy to your personal library or listen online in on-demand audio format. Before we get started, we want you to know that we believe here at Reaching Your Heart that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us anytime during the broadcast. That telephone number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. God said, I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman. Between your seed and her seed. He, now notice the seed of of the woman, is a single son. It's not many, but one. He shall bruise your head. That's the promise of Jesus. Christ would come, engage the serpent, bruise his head, and you, the serpent, shall bruise his heel. A death struggle between Satan and the seed of the woman. He would be wounded. The serpent ultimately destroyed. That's the first promise of the coming of Christ. In this this sentence, in the Hebrew, the word Seth is used. When God says, I will put, that's the name Seth. Seth means to put or to set. So what we have here is we have the first gospel promise. I will put enmity. And so Eve latches on to that. She names her son after the promise of God. Instead of trying to make her own way, she surrenders to God. Friend, no one can change a heart. God is the one who must put enmity between evil and us. And so the promise of Seth to put to set is the promise to have a new beginning based on God's Holy Spirit in your life. And so... You look at the genealogy of Seth, it's radically different than the genealogy of Cain. Here we have the introduction of days and life. None of this in the genealogy of Cain. Um, And so Eve names her son Seth after the promise of life. Seth in turn has a son and he names his son Enosh. Enosh in Hebrew means mortal man. It, It means that man can die because life is fragile. Abel died at the hands of Cain. Perhaps Enosh had a terminal illness and he knew that life is meaningless unless God gives you the future life. Lamech killed more people than Cain and so they had a realization that unless someone saves you, no one can survive death. And in the line of Enosh, the plan of death, pain of death was stopped by faith. No matter how big your dreams are, they can be destroyed in a moment if you do not have God's power for the future. So something special happens when the line of Enosh comes to understand correctly that they have need of God in their life. 
Look at Genesis 4.26. This is the reversal of the Garden of Eden problem here. To Seth also a son was born. He called his name Enosh. And at that time, men began to call on the name of the what? The Lord. The serpent had taken this out of Eve's life, had robbed Adam and Eve of the knowledge of the personal God. And in their weakness, when Enosh, which means mortal man, when he is born in his generation, people begin to seek the Lord all over again. Do you realize this is 2,300 years before the beginning of the 2,300-year prophecy in Daniel 8.14? The first revival in the history of the human race matches the last revival that is prophesied in the book of Daniel. Men begin to call on the name of the Lord. Friend, when you call on the name of the Lord in your life, you are saved by the Lord. Did you hear me? When you call on the name of the Lord, you are saved by the Lord. Let me prove this to you. Joel 2.30. And this is not just in Paul's day. It's not just in the Bible writer's days. This is for the last days too. Joel 2, verse 30, And I will give signs in the heavens on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. And what does the text say? Before the great and terrible day that the Lord comes. So something happens just before Jesus returns. These cosmic signs that are outlined here. Going to verse 32, And it shall come to pass. Now let's read this pretty slow here. It shall come to pass that only the smart people will be saved. Does it say that? Well, come on. Are you got your Bibles out? What does it say there? That all who call upon what? Now, that's what they were doing back there in Genesis 4, 26, right? They were calling on the name of the Lord. He's saying, listen, at the end of time, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They will be rescued. And it goes on to say in the context, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said. The most important fact for your life today, friend, is to come to grips with the personal God, to come to grips with the God who saves you and to call on his name and to have life in Jesus' name. If you've been living your life without the Lord, it's time to turn around and start living with the Lord. The Bible's so clear. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved by the Lord. So what does it mean to call on the name of the Lord, friend? It means to reach out to him to repent and to claim his mercy as your only right to the future because you have broken his law. It means to cling to him as a savior because you can't save yourself. We live in an age of cynics when men and women think it's intellectually astute to dismiss God from their lives. The same thing happened in Malachi's day. We come to the end of the Old Testament. The same attitudes we see in the book of Malachi are right here at the end of time among God's people. He addressed a professional clergy, a professional clergy who didn't bother to honor God with their tithes and offerings. You know, Malachi 3 is not written for the average church member. It's written for the clergy, the clergy that have turned their back on faithful commitment to God, who have no faith in God. Therefore, the people don't have faith in God. And they lived a cynical kind of religion. They saw their calling as a profession, as a job only, not as God's sacred instilling in their lives. Look at Malachi 3.13. He says, your words have been stout against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, how have we spoken against thee? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the good of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? Henceforth, we deem the arrogant blessed... Evildoers not only prosper, but when they put God to the test, they escape. 
That's pretty cynical coming from a preacher. Now, what are they saying here? They're saying that trying to keep God's law, trying to have a relationship with a personal God, it's not worth it. It doesn't pay. Live for what you can get in life and forget about God, they say. Now, here's what God said in behalf of the righteous. Look at verse 16, Malachi 3. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord heeded and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and thought on his name. And I like verse 17. They shall be what? Mine. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. My special possession on that day when I act. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. In Malachi, God tells the prophet that a book of remembrance was written for those who feared the Lord and thought on his name. Now this is a direct reference right back to Genesis 4.26, the passage we've been looking at. To Seth also was born... A son. He called his name Enosh. And what does the text say? At that time, men began to call what? Upon the name of the Lord. Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, is going back to the first book of the Old Testament and linking the two. The first time men began to think on his name is right here in Genesis 4.26. Malachi said when they did that, a book of remembrance was written before them. A book of remembrance so that they would be God's special possession on the day he acts. As soon as someone calls on the name of the Lord in the Hebrew Bible, the very next verse, turn to Genesis 5.1, is the very first usage of the word book in the Bible. The Bible says this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. As soon as someone calls on the name of the Lord... There is a book of record, and the genealogy of that book is different than Cain's genealogy. It's a book of days. Yes, there's death, but there's life. It says Adam lived. Yes, he died, but he lived, which means the promise of life is there. Seth lived, Enosh lived, Kenan lived, Mahaleel lived, Jared lived. This is a book of life. It's a book of promise for the future. Enoch lived and he never died. He kept on living because he walked with God. Methuselah lived longer than any man. And Noah lived his life so long that he built a boat and he moved from the old world to the new. He lived. The genealogy of Genesis 5.1 introduced by this book, unlike the one that comes before, is a book of life. It's a book of God's presence and promise. And what Malachi is saying, if you call on the name of the Lord... Your name is in that book and God will one day open that book and he will spare you in the judgment day. The book of the generations of Adam in Genesis 5.1 is the book of life from the foundation of the world. It's the Lamb's book of life. God's acceptance comes in Jesus Christ. Friend, when you have faith in Christ, your name is written in that book from the foundation of the world. That is no small thing. You know, when the disciples had power over devils, Jesus said, don't rejoice that you have the demons at your command, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Philippians 4.2. Now, sometimes we have difficulties in the church. You say, Pastor Mike, what do you mean? Everyone gets along perfectly. Am I right? Come on. Am I right? Do we sometimes have difficulties in the church? 
Okay, you're being honest. That's a good thing. The same was true in the apostolic church. Having your name in the book of life affects the way you interact with others. Paul reminded two women in the early church that they need to get along because their names are written in the book of life. Look at Philippians 4 verse 2. He says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Sintish to agree in the Lord. Now, there's something about agreeing in the Lord. That doesn't mean you put your brain on hold. But when you agree in the Lord, you put yourself aside for the good of the church. And I ask you also, true yoke fellow, help these women. For they have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are what? Whose names are in the book of life. And then he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. When your name is written in the book of life, you don't have to live for yourself anymore. You can live for others because there's security there. There are three concrete results of having your name in the Lamb's book of life based on this passage. The first result is joy. Verse 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. The second concrete result is patience and acceptance of others. Paul says in verse 5, let all men know your forbearance. If God can put up with you and put your name in the book of life, shouldn't you put up with somebody else and really tolerate them no matter how much they get on your nerves? Yes or no? Yes. So having your name in the book of life affects your attitude toward others in the church. And the third concrete result of having your name written in the book of life is the sense that the personal God, the Lord part of the Lord God, is with you. That God is not distant and far away, that He's with you. In verse 5, Paul says, the Lord is at hand. And so God's presence becomes that which keeps you from sinning, which holds you, which holds you in the book of life. So having your name in the book of life matters in life today, but it will also matter in the judgment day. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. Studying the Bible is vital to our lives, and we would like to help you in that process by providing you free Bible study guides. These full-color Bible study guides are available for you right now if you dial this telephone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't miss your opportunity right now to call and get a copy of these free Bible study guides. Call right now. That's 888-244-4673. Now more with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. It matters if our names are in the book. Revelation 3, 5, Jesus gives us a picture of the final judgment. When he stands before God and the angels. He who conquers shall be clad thus in white garments, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now think about this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, their name ends up in the book of life. And Christ will confess their name before his Father. In the book of Revelation, there's a linguistic chiasm. It's a linguistic structure. Now what's a chiasm? A chiasm is when the end of the section matches the beginning and it moves in order where the elements are linguistic and they move from A at the beginning, A prime at the end, B, B prime, elements in order, moving toward a linguistic center. And the bookends of a chiasm always match the middle. 
This chiastic structure is the wife of the lamb chiasm. It's a structure that goes from Revelation 21.9 to 22.20. The reason I want to focus on it a little bit before we close today is to show you the close relationship between the book of life and the tree of life. And um, let's just take the slides and quickly move to the next slide here. Not the scripture passages, but just move on to the slides of the chiasm. I'm moving down into the chiastic structure. Revelation 21, 22, for the Lord God, the Almighty. It matches on the other side, Revelation 22, 5, for the Lord God will illumine them. Q, chiastic element Q, Revelation 21, 23, it has no need of the sun, neither the moon, that they should shine upon it. It matches Revelation 22, 5, and the light of the sun. Revelation 21, 23, the lamp is the lamb. On the other side, Revelation 22, 5, our prime of lamp and You'll see in S, chiastic element S, the nations will walk by its light. Revelation 21.4. The other side, S prime is Revelation 22.5. They have no need of light. Revelation 21.25, chiastic element T, night will not be there. On the other side, Revelation 22.5, night will be no more. All right, on the front side, Revelation 21.26, the nations go into it. On the other side, the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. Uh, Revelation 21, 27, V, anything that defiles will not enter into it. And we're moving toward the center of the chiasm. V prime, and there shall not be anything accursed. Revelation 22, 3. All right, chiastic element W, the one who does or makes. Revelation 21, 27, it matches W prime on the other side. Revelation 22, 2, making 12 kinds of fruit. Now look at X and X prime. Look what comes in the chiastic association here. In X, we have the book of life, Revelation 21, 27. X prime, we have the what? The tree of life. There is a close linguistic connection between the book of life and the tree of life. If you want to eat from the tree of life, dear heart, you have to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. That's how you get there. And so the structure shows this. It moves on to the lamb, the lamb. At the very center of the structure, it talks about the river of life coming from the throne of God. So God is teaching us that we get to tomorrow. We get to the tree of life. We drink from that river of living waters by having our names written in the lamb's book of life. And that happens when you call on the name of the Lord. In a real sense, the tree of life is the book of life. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? Remember the text in Revelation where it says the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Remember that? Okay. Because the book of life and the tree of life are in linguistic association, it means that the leaves are really found in the book. When you open a book and you turn its pages, what are you actually turning? The leaves of the tree of life. It is the words of God that will be felt every month, renewed in the worship cycle of eternity that will heal the nations. The book of life, the tree of life are connected. When your name is written, the Lamb's book of life, you have a right to God's word for time and eternity to eat from the physical tree, which is a symbol of the word of God, the sustaining Christ who is the life of God. God's word heals you and leads you to a forever land if you have the Lamb of God by faith. Smokey, our dog has come home. It's true. I've been putting in a wood floor, nice wood floor. He came home, 
And the nexus of Smokey, the meeting of Smokey and my new wood floor has taught me a little more of the acceptance of God in our lives. Sometimes we think that when we mess up, God is quick to take our names out of the book of life. You ever feel that way? Come on. All right, you have. Friend, Christ didn't die on the cross just to take your name out of the book of life when you mess up. Did you hear me? You don't get booted out of the family that easily. Christ came to this world to give you life and to make you a part of the family of God forever. He wants you to live in his kingdom. This week, Donald came home with his dog, Smokey, which is my dog too, but mainly his. They have both been away at a boarding school in Montana. You can see pictures of this here on the screen. So our half-Siberian husky and half-coyote mix came home after all these months with my son, Donald. And his first act of kindness was to mark the territory of the brand-new wood floor with his claws. It's like signing his name at the family register, putting his name in the book. He comes, and he, as soon as I, you know, I had these pads, I bought him $50 Nike shoes for dogs that strap, and he ate them off. They failed. And so I came in the door last night. And there he was running around. He got out from downstairs. And I looked at the, right there at the entryway of that new entryway I'd put in and these claw marks all the way down my hickory floor entry mark. You can say with me, oh, that's how I felt. Oh, oh, get that dog out of the house. No, that's not as easy. He's a member of our family, right? Okay. He scratched four perfectly beautiful boards that took me a week to assemble right. He left his love mark and his name on our new wood floor entry. I'd worked for a week, as I said, to get it right. Friend, Smokey is a fully registered member of our family. He belongs to our home. So Smokey is staying in our house because he's part of the family, not because he's perfect. He's a perfect part of the family, even though he's not perfect. With his clumsy claws, he's still a member of our family. We will live with an imperfect wood floor today in our house because we love Smokey more than that new wood floor. And you know where I'm getting at, don't you? You are imperfect. You, it is not yet apparent what you will be. You are a product in motion. God's grace finds you now when you struggle with sin. And God declares you when you receive Christ by faith as a child of God, justified by faith in the book of life. And friend, God's going to keep you in the family if you don't have your name removed. He's going to hang on to you. And doesn't matter the imperfections that's being worked on your life. You're in the family. This is righteousness by faith. Smokey's in the family. That's exactly what you can be if you call on the name of the Lord. But if you never call on the name of the Lord, you never get there. If you're too smart to fall on your knees and say, the Lord save me, you don't get there. Friend, call on the name of the Lord. If you do, you're in. In the book of life. In the plan of God. In the new Jerusalem. In the heart of Jesus forever and ever. Amen. In. In the book of life. Dear Heavenly Father, the kind of change that happens in the life you know more than I do happens when no one's looking. It happens when eyes are closed and heads are bowed. That's when someone makes the decision to call on the name of the Lord. And Father, it could be right here today. It very likely is. No doubt it there is. There is a soul here 
who needs to call on the name of the Lord. And Father, quiet times are perfect times to do it. With our heads bowed, if you're that person and you feel far from God, and you can't save your life, but you want to be saved, the promise is for you. Lord God, I pray that that person will sense your presence at this moment. And Father, with their hand, with all eyes bowed, raise it to heaven and say, I'm calling on the name of the Lord. Lord, you see the hands. I don't see them. My eyes are closed. I've chosen to leave them that way. You see the hands and the hearts that need you. And Lord, grant us grace to live for Jesus in his name. Pastor Mike's message today was entitled, The Book of Life, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, that website is reachingyourheart.com. We'd love for you to go there and visit now. You'll find an opportunity to listen to this message again, as well as many other messages archived there for you. That's reachingyourheart.com. If you call us right now, we have a free gift for you entitled, Soul Care. It's a short 64-page volume all about becoming a whole in a broken world through a personal relationship with God. If you call right now, we have that book for you. Here's that telephone number. 888-244-4673, 888-244-HOPE. If you've been inspired by this message and want to partner with us to further spread these messages and keep us broadcasting on the air, then we welcome your partnership. And you can give a donation of any amount. We thank you for your support. Once again, that telephone number is 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll join us again next time for another Reaching Your Heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.